It's funny is I think anybody that starts brewing, they have to make something that their wife likes. Yeah. It's like yep. everybody. <laughs> well, you have to it. justify your yeah. time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Your, the, the, the time. Uh, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. Today, we are going to go on a journey talking about beer. I turned 21 just a little while ago. It wasn't very many years ago at all that I turned 21, and I'd never had a beer before I turned 21. I was a bit of a rule follower, I guess you could say, but I remember when I turned 21, I was working at a bank as a bank teller part-time while I was going to college, and I was studying aviation, so I was in flight school. And I remember everybody in the bank knew there was even customers that came in that knew I was turning 21 and there was a level of excitement because everybody knew I hadn't had a beer yet. So, uh, when it came time for my birthday, we had one of the girls that I worked with. She brought me a St. Pauli girl with like a bow tied around it. And somebody else brought me, bought me a Killian's Irish red. And then there was other people that just like bought me like different kinds of beer. So when I turned 21, I got to try all these different kinds of beer. Killian's Irish Red, that was the very first one that I had. And I really liked it. Later on, I developed uh, a taste that I didn't like it so much. Um, And the St. Pauli Girl, I don't know if it was because it was like a paler ale or something, but I did not like the taste of that for my first beer. Um, And I remember a couple friends took me out and like we, we, we just went and we tried like different beers um, and I can remember with my friends and I, we then kind of went on a little bit of a journey. A couple of friends and I, we really just liked beer. So we would go and we would tr- just try different kinds of beers. And I remember for different people's birthdays, we would go to a Japanese steakhouse. And I remember having a Sapporo, which is a Japanese beer. And it was so delicious. Um, and then I can remember there was this little, this little shop on a strip mall, I guess I should say store. And I think before it was popular and maybe even a thing because you can do it now, but you could go in there and they had a whole wall of coolers. You could pick up your little six pack thing and you could go just pick your own bottles that you wanted. So we would literally create our own six packs and we would go home and take it and try it and figure out which ones we liked. Usually we would just pick what we wanted based on what the bottle looked like. So we judged the book by its cover. Um, And then I can remember there was a really great little store called the Anderson's General Store, and they had a great selection of beer. You could actually get, like, Sapporo there and all this different, like, beer. And in addition to all of those different types of beer adventures, um, there was a couple, like, pubs that we would that we would frequent. There was Old Bag and Ale's Pub in Worthington on High Street. We used to go there all the time. And they would just have a great list of different beers that you could try. And again, we couldn't see the bottle names, so we went by the name. Well, I should say that we didn't see like any like bottles, so we picked based on the name. And I remember one of my friends, he always got this one called Rasputin, and it had a very high alcohol content. Um, so anyway... Those were a lot. Oh, and then there was this really, really great pub in Dublin. I think it was called, yeah, it was called Brazenhead. I actually had to text my brother and one of my friends that we used to go, we used to go there. But it was amazing because back before some law got passed, you could actually take pipes in there because we were those kinds of people. We would take our pipes in <laughs> and think that we were Gandalf the Wizard or something. We would sit down, we would 
order our beers and we would smoke our pipes. But there was this really cool like back room that had a fireplace. I don't think the fireplace was running or anything, but we would try to go get that room before anybody else. And we would have a couple pints of beer and we would smoke our pipes. Um, and it was a, a great time. That, that place was called Brazen Head. And it was rumored that they had brought pieces of a pub from Ireland over. I don't know if that's true. The more in my older years, I don't I don't believe as many things as I did back then. But I definitely believe that they just disassembled a pub and then brought it to Dublin, Ohio, for some reason when I was younger. Um, and then la- the last story I guess I'll share is there was a good friend of mine. We used to go over to his house to when like, again, college years, single. So me and a couple guys would go over to his house in Worthington and we would sit down around a fire and we would, we would drink bourbon, we would drink beer and we would smoke cigars or we would smoke pipes and we would, in the winter we would go in his garage and somehow, uh, do that. Um, but we just had great conversations. I could just remember so many great conversations around a pint of beer and there's just something really special about beer. So all that being said, I'm excited to welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. Dustin, Paul, and Kim. Dustin and Paul, I invited onto the podcast because they brew their own beer, and I was really fascinated by that, and so I wanted to hear all about how you brew beer and how they got into it. So that's what we are going to be talking about today. So Dustin, Paul, Kim, welcome to the roundtable. Hello. Thank thanks. you. <laughs> yes. So, um, so, yeah, just tell me, like, your name and tell me uh, something neat about yourself. Uh, my name is Dustin Doherty. Uh, like you said, I'm a home brewer. I started, I, I think it was 06 is when I started home brewing. Okay. Um, but I actually, my, my education background's in fine art. So I actually studied to be a sculptor. Really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. What kind of sculpting? Uh, I did a lot of metal casting. Okay. Uh, so bronze and aluminum. Is that involve welding? Uh, yeah. Wow. That's, that's a cool fun fact. <laughs> okay. Paul? Uh, Paul Krishek. I started brewing beer about eight years ago, I think, 2014. Uh, I was finishing college and was just looking for an outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew Dustin brewed beer so much longer before me. That's kind of how we got together doing this together. Okay. Um, I'm the cellarman at a small brewery in Columbus. Okay. Sideswipe Brewing. Okay. I don't think they'll mind me saying that. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. What's a cellarman? They give me a paycheck, so I'm going to have to. <laughs> uh, just like um, basically uh, the the back uh, room of brewing. Not necessarily brewing, but like cleaning, keg okay. washing, okay. Uh, canning beer, okay. cleaning tanks, things like that. Okay. That's pretty cool. Okay. Kim Krishak, married to Paul Krishak. Um, they used to hate beer. Really? Yep. Interesting. Every time he hand me something, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. This tastes like trash. <laughs> um, that was his IPA phase, and I didn't really understand them. Okay. Um, now I love IPAs. Yeah, what, what does IPA stand for? India Pale Ale. India Pale Ale. I don't think I liked those either when I was younger. They're very hoppy. I think they've changed a lot over the last couple oh, of years, ton. too. Um, they're kind of the traditional IPAs, um, or they now they call them like a West Coast IPA, or very like... Piney okay. and earthy, um, grassy, where now if you talk about like East Coast IPAs, you're talking more like the hops put in later in the boil. Okay. So you get more of the fresh like fruitiness. Okay. And so you get a lot of like stone fruit and passion fruit, tropical fruit flavors that come through the beer. Got it. Rather than those kind of 
grassy, earthy burgers. Got it. Okay. I mean, you guys threw out a bunch of terms there that I don't even know. <laughs> so we're going to get into that. But I want to find out first how you guys even got into it. And maybe since you went first, Dustin, you can, since you started first, you can just tell us how you got into it. Um, I think my sort of my journey with beer, I think growing up, I was always around like the yellow fizzy beers that my parents drank. Sure. Um, and my parents were like, they dr- drank on the weekends. You never drank during the week. It was a Friday night, Saturday night. Yeah. Have a few beers and kind of unwind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I had a fairly healthy view of, you know, consuming alcohol growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older and I was similar to you, I think I was like 19 or so when sure. I had my first beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really drink at high school at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was when I started to realize there was other colors of beer besides the yellow fizzies. Mm. Um, it was a, well, I was a camp counselor in New Hampshire. Okay. And I had to do a day trip into Vermont, into Burlington. And uh-huh. I stopped at this place for lunch and ordered a Miller Lite. And they're like, we don't serve that. <laughs> I was like, well, what do you serve? And so I think they gave me like a little flight. I think they only had like four beers. They had wow. the rainbow of beer. They had a blonde, a, a red ale or an amber, a uh-huh. brown, and a stout. So it tastes a couple, and it was like, wow. Like, this <laughs> like, is a whole new yeah. world. And uh, so then that's when I started exploring beer. Um, and then at some point, it was after grad school. Um, uh-huh. I need, I think, like Paul said, it was like a creative outlet. Yeah. Um, because of financial responsibilities, I moved back home with my parents and worked yep. a factory job I absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was like, I Beer, fun, beer's fun, and I like beer, yeah. and I know that people brew it, so I bought a book, um, John Palmer's How to Brew, Okay. and sat and just read like the first three quarters of it, and it was basically like step by step, and I think I read it twice, and then wow. just kind of like assessed like what equipment I would need, Yep. and before I did it the first time, and then I remember the first time, it was just absolutely nerve-wracking. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> right? No doubt. Because in the book, the whole time he's talking about, it's like, have everything ready. Think about the next step before you're doing this step. And, and wow. it's all about cleanliness and sanitation. But Sure. Okay. But, that's, that's fantastic. Paul, how'd you, how'd you get started? So I started a, a long time after him, actually. I think he probably started, what, like 2005 or something? Oh uh, six. but 06. I took a big gap. I think I brewed for a year, year and a half, and then kind of stopped. So I had... I met my now wife, mm-hmm. and um, we were dating a lot, and then we moved in together, and and we were just doing other stuff. And yep. so that sort of that need to fill space and time was sort of replaced by you know meeting somebody and forming yeah. a relationship. Yeah. And then Paul started brewing again, and that's sort of what got yeah. me back into it. Interesting. Okay, and, that's and some background. Uh, Paul and I actually went to like elementary school and high school together. Wow, uh, we were brief, briefly roommates in college. college roommates. Wow. So we've our lives have kind of like went back and forth, and yeah, we've, we've seen each other, and then hung out, and then not, and then I think over the last probably eight to ten years, our relationships. I mean, we're pretty, we're like our best friend. We see him almost every Friday, and that's fantastic. That's a sick story. So, how how daunting was it? Like when you guys, I mean, you probably maybe less daunting for you because you kind of knew from him. How to get um, into it. You know, I started separately on my own. You did? Um, okay. Yeah, and it was a lot easier for me in 2014. I mean, we have the internet and YouTube. and <laughs> Yep. So it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like going through a book and being like, oh, my gosh, did I do that wrong? It was like <laughs> yeah. I could see somebody do it. And, yeah. You know, and I had uh, – I like to have conversations over beer, too, so I talked to brewers around town and yep. 
get you know information from them, pick their heads. How do they do this? How do you know? How do you do that? How did you get started? It was a kind of a, just like natural evolved, progression. Yeah, evolved yeah. into something. Because um, I didn't have a ton of free time in college. Yeah. So when I did, it was going out and having beers and you know probably having conversations with people. And I think it just kind of like. You know, I do need something to do. Like, I uh, I used to be in a band before I went back to college, and that was, like, my creative outlet. Yep. That's what I had. And, you know, not having that, uh, I think that's kind of what drove that. And I think I was getting so burned out from being in school. Mm. Like, going back, it took me almost four years going back because I switched my major from... Oh. Yep. You know, religion to business, and it was just like this completely different. Yeah, so, they're completely different tracks. Yeah. <laughs> you can't so, like crisscross those at all. Yeah, so it just, uh, you know, there was, I remember there was one semester, I hadn't taken any time off. Mm -hmm. Like I went to Franklin and we had trimesters, so you didn't get any breaks. You just, oh, went, gross. Yeah, right back in. And I remember. And a trimester like, is for a full year? Um, yeah, for the full year, you have three semesters. So instead of like okay. quarters or semesters, you just do three semesters. So you're just ramping it up. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I was going like halftime and, you know. Were like you I, working too? Yeah, I was working oh, like gosh. 45, 50 hours a week all the time and Jeez. just didn't have any, yeah, didn't have any time to do anything. So it was like, I took a, I remember I was like, it's summertime and our backyard looks terrible. I just want to, you know, <laughs> I want to mow the grass and put some flowers out there yeah. and I want to do something besides go to school all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's how I got into it though. Just, it was just like, I'd trying something. I seen some videos like this looks like something I could do. And I really like beer. And yeah. So I just did, went for it. And then I brought him in later. I was like, Hey, you know, you know maybe we should brew together. Like, yeah. <laughs> what was your did. year gap? Like from when you had stopped and then to when you guys started doing that together, what it, was your gap? It was a good stretch. Um, like I said, it, uh, it was from about 2007 or 8 until when did you say you started brewing? Like 2014. So it was about seven, seven years, eight yeah. year stretch there. Okay, um, so like when he came to you and he's like, we should brew together, were you just like immediately like, yeah? No, actually, I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I don't have time for that. <laughs> um, well, I had a newborn. Oh, um, so that'll or, do it. Uh, well, well, I had a two-year-old <laughs> daughter, and I think we were expecting one, um, which they're now seven and ten, seven and yeah. nine. Um, but those early years, man. Yeah, it's uh, wears you out. But uh, but no, I, I, my but my wife was like, yeah, you know, hang out with Paul. It's something to do. And I was still, I felt like I, I still work a job I don't really love. Yeah. And it was like, it'll get you out of a rut, you know, and do something creative. Cause we're, you know, it's just, we, you have your nose to the grindstone and you go yeah. to work and you do your time, you watch, you take care of the kids then you, you know, sleep and repeat. Yeah. So it's like, it'll be something to do. And she kind of like encouraged me to, to jump in. And, um, I think in Paul, actually, uh, there's obviously there's different processes that, uh, you can kind of use to get to beer as a final product. Okay. And when I had started, it was sort of an abbreviated, it's called extract brewing. Okay. And basically you buy like a can of syrup okay. and it's, uh, I mean, it's probably like about, um, but it's, uh, it's almost like a, it is, it's like a heavy syrup Okay. and it's all the sugars that they get off of the grain. Got so it. you kind of skip a step. Got it. Um, but you can kind of add specialty grains to personalize it. Okay. Um, so the, what comes in the can is just your very basic, like what's going to convert 
into the sugars to alcohol. Got it. And then you can sprinkle some stuff in for flavor and okay. change the hops around and add the side what yeast to put in. So it's still very personal, personalizable. Yeah. Um, but you kind of skip a step in doing it. Yeah. And uh, so I had done that, and then Paul just jumped right in. Yeah. And he went all grain, like right off the bat. And I was really intimidated to take that step when I was mm-hmm. brewing. So, and he was like, well, "Why don't you brew with me? Like, you can show me some stuff." And and he he was telling me about his process. Like, oh, you're above and beyond where I ever was. So wow. Um. But yeah. Would, uh, so we kind of started in a different uh, method, but yeah. So like when you when you started was like there there like to your point there wasn't as much is it true that there wasn't as much like youtube and like so it was really just a lot of book learning stuff i i think coming out of college and grad school i leaned into books anyways sure. so i did seek out books and didn't really think to use the internet as a resource like that yeah um i mean there's definitely was and there were like online supply houses that still exist today to get ingredients from or equipment from yeah um but yeah, I, it was mostly books and trial and error and um, yeah. just sort of like, well, if, if this does this and I change this to this ratio and there's some it's sort of proportions Fine and tuning. math and yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt like there in the brewing community has been around for a long time, the home brewing community. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, became legal again to brew um, a home brew. I think it was like in 76 in the Carter administration. Got it. Um, they re-legalized it. And did then, that have anything to do with like the dry, like, uh, what, what were they, what's the word for no alcohol? Thank you. Did that have anything to do with, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where they stopped allowing home brewing. So it okay. took all that time from the thirties, uh, until wow. like the seventies until, uh, Jimmy Carter. And I wow. think his, actually his brother, um, I want to say it's Bubba, Okay. And there was a Bubba beer and uh-huh. I think it had something to do with him. Huh. And he, he, and it was sort of just like a, one of those presidential high five. It's like, Hey yeah. guys, you can homebrew again. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah, Yay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the, there started that community up again Yeah, and they existed in like the nineties and two thousands. Um, and there was homebrew shops in Columbus. So obviously mm-hmm. there was a market for it, Yeah, but I never, I felt like very much like, I didn't know where to, like, meet these people at other than bumping into them at the brew shop. Sure. And in those situations, I'm not the most extroverted person. Yep. Um, I think I, I become one later. Yeah. Like, I'll see somebody now, like, what you brewing? And yeah. And you sit and you, you shoot the breeze for a while. Got it. But um, I think then I was like, I don't want to look like an idiot. So yeah. So just don't talk to anybody. And, like, the guys probably were like, what's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just shoveling stuff in a bag. I don't yeah. know. That's really funny. I So, okay. My, I'm really curious, like, what is that when you guys both got into it and like, even now, like what's, what would you say is the, the financial, uh, mm. commitment that you got to take? <laughs> it's probably all over the place, right? You know, but it's, it can be, uh, it can be frugal at the beginning, but then once you realize, you know, it's going to be a lot faster if I buy this, mm-hmm. or it's going to be a lot easier if I buy this, then it just starts adding up. So yeah. <laughs> If you're seriously wanting to do it, I would say just invest the money right off the rip. Yeah, maybe mm. maybe like a couple thousand bucks. Yeah, you know, yep. get you started. But if you just want to try it, I mean, you could. I think my first setup, all grain and everything, I might have spent like two hundred and fifty dollars total just to get started. Yeah, that's I, pretty awesome. Yeah, so I mean, I bought a lot of used stuff, and mm-hmm. I think there's even more used stuff now. Dustin just bought a bunch of used. 
uh, stuff off Craigslist or yeah, it was or, a Facebook marketplace. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, mm. um, we were kind of taking it serious and not seeing each other. Yeah. Um, as most people should have been. Yeah. And so, but he was always the one. He bought all the equipment and had all the equipment, mm-hmm. and we would a lot of times split cost on the supplies, like the consumable part of right. it. Right. Um, but then we weren't seeing each other, and we got I got kind of got back into one of those ruts where it's board again. Mm-hmm. And so I just started looking on Facebook marketplace and bought my own little setup. And I think I spent about 300 or 350 and pretty yeah. much got, and, he's got and, a lot. and actually now that I'd brewed for a while, I kind of knew what I needed to sure. like get, get going right off the rip. And so, um, I'd saw the setup and the, the guy that was selling it had recently found out that he, um, what's the, gluten intolerant. Mm-hmm. And he kept getting really sick and he was like, I just can't drink beer anymore. And it stinks. But, yeah. Uh, so I bought his equipment, and uh, so he let it go at a, a fair price. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's and a, um, a lot of people upgrade as they go along. So yeah. it's the marketplace and Craigslist. That's a good place to look for used equipment because people are they're trying to help finance their next thing by selling the old thing. Sure. That that makes sense. So like, it doesn't sound like a terrible process to get up and running. And it, it, I, I do find every, everybody that I've had on that we've talked about something like this, that's a hobby, especially like a creative outlet. They say a lot of things that you guys have been saying, just the need for the creative outlet because of the mundaneness of your regular responsible adult life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny because a lot of people have said like YouTube, I just started watching videos on the subject and then yeah. I, I got into it. Like the first guy that I had on, when we talked about hunting. That's essentially how he got into it. Cause he didn't grow up hunting. Um, and then he found somebody that could take him out and show him the ropes. And that's kind of how he got started. And it, everything does have like a, a financial, um, a financial cost to get started. But it seems like with a lot of these types of hobbies, you can get started for relatively low. And then if you, if you really like, I mean, this whole setup that you, that we have for the podcast, we started off not anything remotely like this, but then I really enjoyed doing the podcast. So we, then we decided to make a more significant investment and, it does make a big difference. This equipment oh, makes yeah. the podcast way more efficient. <laughs> so I get what you're saying about like, oh, if I get this equipment, it'll cut my my time commitment from this step from four hours to yeah one yeah. hour. Yeah. Well, I think originally too, I think we both had this discussion. Like originally when you start brewing, you're like, oh, I can save so much money if I just <laughs> brew my own beer. Yeah. So, yeah. No. No. False. You're not, no. <laughs> not going to no. save money. But eh, it's, it's a fun thing to do still. Uh, so. Yeah. So like, tell me about, let's talk about just the process of brewing beer. How do you guys go about it? Um, like I said, we, we do all grain. Um, so basically we start with, um, barley, majority of it's barley, Mm -hmm. um, as your base grain. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's been malted where they sort of start the process of it, like sprouting. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of weakens the outer shell Mm -hmm. and, um, it gets it easier to get to the sugars that are inside there. Got it. And so I usually, I, we were talking about sort of how we explain it to people sort of in preparation of this. And I said, mm-hmm. I usually tell people it's like making a giant batch of tea. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so like I, my, uh, it's called a mash ton, but that's where you see, steep the grain in hot water. Okay. And um, sort of the temperature of the water depends on how you want the final outcome of yeah. the beer to be as far as like how Dryness thick it is, or how dry body. or how much body you want to it. What do those terms mean? Um, um, so like a lager would be like a drier beer or a, some, some, a lot of IPAs are drier too. Like you get a finish in the back of your throat where, you know, you want to take another drink. It's yeah. Not, um, 
but you can balance that out too. Okay. So um, I don't know. Would be like a heavier beer that would be kind of in the middle. Like, uh, like imp- well, like a red middle. ale or something. A red ale, yeah, or an English ale, where there's you can kind of feel it more in your mouth, mm-hmm. and um, like when you drink after you drink it, it's sort of like coffee has that aftertaste that lingers yep. in the back of the throat. Yep. Um, that would not be a dry finish. Like the dry Got finish it. is usually it's gone, it's crisp, and yep. you your mouth is kind of you, you want to take another drink. Okay. Um, Got and it. And then sort of the more uh, the less dry of a finish, it's more of that lingering sort of remembrance of what it tastes like. So is a Guinness like that then? Uh, I feel like Guinness stays. It, Guinness actually, is. a lot of uh, a lot of stouts people think are like big, heavy beers, but like a Guinness is a dry Irish it's dry stout. Light so stout. it's usually a, a lighter body and uh-huh. a dry finish. Um, but they're, I think people see how black they are and are kind of intimidated. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So like an interesting thing about Guinness is I actually dis, I did not like Guinness at all. It felt like it tasted too much like the, like the, the container that it was in. Mm. But then I, I spent 28 days when I was in college, I spent 28 days going throughout Europe. And so when I was in Great Britain, I got to have like a pint of actual, it was delicious. Yeah. That's cool. It was so delicious. Um, can you guys, so, okay, let's go back to the process. So you've got like your, your container. How big is the container? Uh, it's about mine's ten, a 10 gallon, 10 gallons. And it depends on how much you're trying yeah. to make. Most as, people as sure brew in five gallons. That's a, a pretty time. common size. Home brew size is a five gallon or 10 gallon. We do five gallon batches. Mm-hmm. And um, are you, are you heating it in the container? No, we, um, we have like a turkey fryer, uh-huh. propane and, uh, like a big pot. And then, so we heat the water up and then, um, Put hold that it. hot water into the mash tun. Yeah, you hold it. You hold that grain with the water that you've measured out, uh-huh. and you get, a lot of these calculations are easy to find online. Got I mean, it. Or, or even like uh, that how to brew book has a lot of information on it. Got it. Uh, but yeah, you you hold it for a certain amount of time. You're trying to get as much sugar as you can get off of those grains, and while you're holding it. So some of them will be like. Some some grains, especially like darker grains, can take a little longer. So you may have to go, you know, you may have to go ninety minutes, or you may have to go sixty minutes while you're holding it. Just depends. I've had some that I've done for like two hours before. Okay, and are you like using a timer? Yeah, just keep a timer, and every fifteen minutes or so, give it a stir. Stir it. Okay. Um, in the brewery, they just have a fork that's raking around, so they don't have to do any of that. Okay. But. I think I've seen a video of what you're talking about, like yeah. a big old container, and, like, it's stirring it around. Right. Okay. What what happens after that? Uh, after that, we take so much. We take take it off, but we're also rinsing it at the same time. So The grain? Sparging is yeah. what you would call it. Sparging. Yeah, so you um, – ours run on, like, gravity, basically. So you have the uh, mash tun sits probably about table height. Okay. And then your what's going to be your brew kettle sits a little lower. Okay. And there's literally just a spigot on the front. Got it. And the spigot usually has a metal screen or there's a false bottom with lots of holes. Sure. That are fairly small that won't let that grain run through. Got it. And so you're running off that liquid and it's really sticky. Um, huh. It has a nice, I like the smell. A lot of people hate it. It's, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, you're running that off there. And then you kind of, as that's running out, um, that sparging process is your, there's another vessel that's hotter or higher that yeah. has the hot water in it. Like, uh, and so as this is coming out, hot water's going back in again. And wow. It and off. so all the sugary water's at the bottom because uh-huh. it's heavier. Uh-huh. And that clean um, hot water's at the top. And so that kind of helps you. And once you get to how much liquid you want, you just stop. 
Got it. And then you end up with, that's what you call. That's going to be the future beer yep. down mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and there's easier ways to do it. Some people will just batch sparge where they'll just let it right out of the container and yeah, they'll completely that. dump and then put a new batch of hot water, let it sit another 15 minutes and then run that out again. Yeah. Okay. Um, we found that what, what we call efficiency, which is, um, sort of how much sugar you get at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a higher efficiency by doing, it's called a fly sparge where you're putting the hot water as you're pulling off the now wort. Okay. Uh, what's going to be beer. Okay. Um, and once you're done with that process, is the grain done or is it reused? You can, uh, I think we've both made dog treats out of mm-hmm. it before. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Add some peanut butter. And, and a, a lot of commercial and, breweries have, they team up with farmers and the farmer sure. will come in shortly after a brew process and take it away in tubs, and they feed. They can feed like cows and pigs, so it doesn't go to waste. Man, that's fascinating. Um, I know Land Grant is really good about having um, like composting, and they mm-hmm. they they try to have a very minimal footprint. Yep. Um, what they leave behind, and they even have like a. I don't, and I'm not familiar with it at all, but I know they have some sort of program that once you're done fermenting, there's like a layer at the bottom that's kind of yuck, mm-hmm. and it's called trub. Okay. And uh, it's like um, when it's post uh, the post fermentation, it's all the, the yeast sort of eats as much sugar as it can and falls back down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So they try to dump that out, and then they have some sort of program that enri- it enriches soil. So they wow. have some sort of gardens that they go with that. That's amazing. We do gardening on the side. That's one of our hobbies since we have kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with my. I remember reading a poster at their brewery that talked about how they all the bits and pieces try not to go to waste. And that's just, that's fascinating is like the process where you do something, another man, your waste becomes another man's treasure type of a deal. That's really fascinating Mm -hmm. to me. Okay. So what do we do once we have the the beer down here or the future beer down here, then what do we do? So, you know, we'll try to collect depending on the amount of time that we have to boil it for. Cause I think you're about every 60 minutes. What do you think you're pulling off like an hour or a gallon, a gallon of beer, an hour, a gallon roughly. of water. Yeah. So depending on how long we're boiling for, we're going to collect what we need to keep five gallons in there. So, mm-hmm. uh, we just bring it to a boil and then we have different hop additions depending on what, uh, bitterness level mm-hmm. or what, uh, aroma level, or just even like, um, the, the, the taste um, flavoring. So yeah, just depending on where we put those hops in, that's what's going to flavor. That's what's going to give it the hoppy like balance of the grain, especially for the pellets and the IPAs and stuff. Sure. So is the whole process something that you have to do start to finish, or can you do? It I, is. I like to do it that way because um, you definitely um, you want to really avoid any sort of like uh, bacteria mm-hmm. or it's the brewing process is very much about cleanliness, like cleaning everything all the time. And then if, especially after the boil, yeah. um, everything that touches the beer or the beer is going to come in contact with has to be like we have food grade sanitizer that we use. Wow. And it's just got to be uber clean or else it's just It'll, it'll grow all kinds of funk and weirdness. Um, but there's beer styles that rely on that, like sours. Paul's are really into sour beers. And you literally, you do the mash, and I think that's what you, there you, is, you explain it. There are, I do make kettle sours sometimes. So sometimes I'll just collect my mash, like at the, at the um, once I've collected my wort, that's what they call it, after you've rinsed all your grain. Okay. Like I'll collect that, and I'll pitch uh, lactic acid in it. 
and mm-hmm. I'll, or um, lactobacillus. Um, I'll pitch that in it, and I'll let that set. But yeah, you just let it get to a certain pH level okay. of acidity, and then once it gets there, then you boil it. So like kettle sours at home, I'll let mine go for a couple of days, but I, at the brewery, sometimes I'll see them like just poking to see if the pH is done, and it may take like a day or something. Sometimes I get them in less than a day. And what do you do with That's called wort? Yep. And, and what then do you do with that? Once you got your wort and you're ready, that's what I was saying. You would start adding your hops while you're boiling it. Okay. Um, and then um, from there, uh, once you get the desired amount that you're you're done boiling, uh, 60, 90, 120, whatever you're doing. That's time. 60 yeah. minutes, 90 minutes, 120 minutes. Got it. Okay. Right. Um, however long you want to boil it for. Yeah. And that's usually dictated on... How much uh, the, the hop ingredient, too. The, the alcohol, and then also the hop. Um, the longer the hop rides in the boil, the more bitter it's going to taste. Okay. So, like, when we were talking about the IPAs for the West Coast, those rely more on early edition hops that okay. ride for, I mean, there's 120-minute beers. Okay. Or that just gets real bitter. Yeah. Or 90-minute. Um, I'd say most of ours are about a 60-minute boil. Um, yeah, usually. Or 70. Then, just... So you may just have a little bit of hops that kind of get that bitterness for the balance later on. And then like five minutes before the boils up, you're throwing in some more and those will add more aromatics. Yeah. Got it. So you won't get the bitterness, but you'll smell the sort of flowery qualities yeah. and, or the fruity qualities that the, the hop has to lend. Okay. Let me repeat back what I think the process is. This is, what, <laughs> this is what's in my head. And okay. then you tell me where my gaps are. So you've got like your grains uh-huh. and it's in, it's in your container and you're going to, Put the boiling water in there. Not boiling. Hot. Hot water. Hot water, hot yeah. water goes in there, and then it sits for 60 minutes, 90 Roughly. minutes, yeah. 120 minutes. Yeah. And then you add things to it at that point, or you're adding um, throughout? You start boiling your wort at that point, yeah. and then you start adding your hops. And okay. Stuff. Yeah. Okay, and then after you've done that process, that's when you run it through? Uh, the, after the, the boil. After the boil is when you start. You need to um, cool it. Yeah, you got to get it cold. Okay. You don't want to introduce uh, yeast into a hot beer, so you got you got to chill it. Whatever How's, means you how, have. Is, is yeast? Are you physically adding the yeast yes. in the process? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sort of like the last, sort of the last step until like the packaging. How do you get it cool? Uh, well, there's different methods. I think sure. Dustin was the first one I ever seen do it. I mean, he did it with an ice bath the very first time he ever did it. Yeah. <laughs> really? And so that, could, that could take a while. It does. <laughs> and I, there's a contraption. It's basically a giant copper coil. And so yeah. you run cold water through that coil. So it becomes basically a submersible ice cube. Oh. So the water never comes in contact with your the wort that you just made. Okay. Um, and so... Then I had a pump that would, I had an ice bath with a submersible pump. Mm-hmm. So it'd run that really cold water through. And so it would cool it a little faster. Are you like checking temperatures during this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You okay. kinda, ideally, I think we, it depends on what yeast you're going for. They yeah. all, the packaging will usually tell you. They'll yeah. say, like, this yeast likes these temperatures. Yeah, and it kind of gives you about a 10 degree window. Got it. And so that's sort of what you're aiming for. Um, like on a hot summer day, because we use groundwater. For the most part now. Okay. So it's just, I hook up my garden hose. I still use that chiller. Um, the one I have now is longer and bigger. So there's more surface area coming in contact with the beer. So it works faster. And th- so you're saying that's what you're using to, to chill, to, to do the chilling. So, I mean, some people that just bring over beer that took them like two hours to chill. I think I have tasted 
like flaws in that. But interesting. Um, yeah. The one that we have now, the one that we use primarily is a plate chiller, mm-hmm. and it uh, just pumps through these plates. It has all these little plates, and the the beer goes through other plates, and it's all contacted through there. So it's just pumping into the vessel. Got it. And it's kind just similar process, chilling right? it really fast. So it only take you know on a summer day, it might take like five, not even maybe two minutes to chill five gallons. Oh of beer. wow. Yeah. Okay. But. Uh, yeah, there are times when it's really hot outside, it will take longer. But it's it doesn't take more than five, ten minutes, even with a plate chiller. Yeah. And you guys said that this that you're doing, the the, the main thing that everything is in is a 10-gallon? Ten, ten uh, five, but our first one is usually bigger because um, if beer's in a tight space, it's kind of pushing. It'll boil over, too. Yeah. Got so, it. Okay. Um, like, I think I have a 15-gallon hot that's when i the one i bought off marketplace and that's if someone's going to think about home brewing i would say go bigger off the bat sure um, it doesn't hurt to have extra room and then if you do decide to, to go up and do 10 gallon batches um but i found that i i sort of formulate for like six or seven gallons because of loss along the way sure um like paul mentioned you'd lose it as you boil yep um and then also just your equipment sort of keeps some of it like um, when i'm pouring it from one container to the next a lot of time there's some goop in the bottom you really don't want to carry along. So you're, mm-hmm. you feel, you don't feel as bad about getting that last drop out. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you can sacrifice like, eh, that looks kind of gross. I'll leave that behind. Sure. And then you're still hitting along the way. You'll at least fill that five gallon um, target. So, so yeah, that, I guess that maybe that's where that came from. So the end result is you're going to get a, fi- a five, five, five gallons. gallons roughly, or, yeah. yeah. Wow. Or okay. sometimes a little extra if you're, Dry hopping, you're going to lose some, so you might want to get six or five and a half at the end because um, some beers you want to dry hop. Mm-hmm. Like that's um, a little later in the process. You got to pitch your yeast first. That's mm-hmm. when you get it to the temperature, uh, usually between 65, 75 degrees, somewhere in there. Okay. That's when you pitch your yeast, and that's going to be usually just left alone for yeah. a couple weeks or a week and a half. Got it. Just, you don't even have to touch it. Okay. So as you're um, as you're cooling it, or after you cool it, you go from that the boil kettle, um, and then we I we both prefer um, it's a big looks like those five gallon water jugs you see in an office like yes upside down a lot of times. Well, it, there's glass ones you get as home brewers are called carboys is the trade term for them. Got it. Um, and we that's what we typically ferment in. Glass is non porous. You can clean it really well, and it doesn't carry flavors along with it. Um, some people use plastic and that's fine. It's affordable. It's definitely cheaper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once you, you go from the, the boil kettle and then you go into what you call your fermenter or the carboy. Okay. And then that's when you pitch that yeast. Mm-hmm. And then, um, do you do it? Do you do it? So like, as soon as you've cooled it, it then it goes into the other container or you put the yeast in there yeah. first. Yeah. You kind of move it. You can do either way. Yeah. Either just way. depending on what you're aeration situation is because you want to get as much oxygen into that beer as it's like if you're moving it over you could probably just you know pour it in and run it right over top because yeah. it's it's moving got it into the vessel but um and then it sides so i mean i don't want to give away their secrets but all breweries <laughs> will take like their dry yeast and they'll just get it kind of wet and um they'll rehydrate it that dry yeast and to get it a little warm uh-huh. and they'll just throw it in the fermenter and just run that, that wort right over top of it. And it'll just be in the bottom of that, uh, whatever they call it, the big vessels. Freaking yeah. Fermenting tank. Fermenting tank. Yeah. Got it. So yeah. And you know, 
the liquid yeast, a lot of times when we're home brewing, we just kind of like you shake it up or we'll use like a uh, mixer and mix mm-hmm. it all up. Then we'll add it, especially our liquid yeast. Sure. Yeah. That's how we'll usually do it. But, I mean, never had a problem with yeast. It's that's always many, worked. Yeah. 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 That's is that, okay. That, that, the process is making sense. So then once you get it in a fermenter, you pick how long you want to set it. Like we yeah. decide for. Yeah, generally, I think most beer will be a few weeks, and and sometimes you move it into a secondary vessel. Like in the breweries, they have like conical, so there's a like a, it comes down to a point. Yep. So well, all we have to do is open a valve, and that just spits all kind of dumps out the old the used yeast. Yeah. And, okay. Um, it clears and, everything up a bit. But as a home brewer, uh, the fermenting vessel after it's, I usually do. I'm very kind of like, um, I do one week in the fermenter and then I move it over to, it's called a secondary where it's just going to sit a little extra longer. And I do two weeks in a secondary and I just, it's for me, it just works out better for different beer styles. It probably go faster and some could probably go longer, but that's just the schedule I've always done and it works. So like, um, are you checking on it while um, it's sitting? Kind of. You don't really want too much. The, that's sort of the benefit of using the glass carboy is you can peek in, in a sense. Um, like just to look at it visually? Yeah, and see mm. what's going on with it. And there's this little thing at, at the top of the bottle, like where it comes to a neck, um, there's a, a bung that goes in, or like a cork. Uh-huh. Um, and then that has a hole drilled in it, and there's a little plastic thing. It's called an airlock. Okay. And what the airlock does is it lets um, CO2 out. Because okay. as it's fermenting, the yeast is converting sugars into ethyl alcohol, uh-huh. which is the magic's happening. Yeah. And then, um, but it's also releasing CO2 um, gas. So if you have it completely sealed up, it'll pop. And a lot of times you'll get a mess. Yeah. So this airlock lets that just, um, it has a little bit of sanitizer in it. So it kind of bubbles. Uh-huh. Um, so it lets air out, but no air in. Okay. Um, so you can kind of, gauge how you're doing by looking at the like how many bubbles per second wow you can kind of see okay yeah it's really looking good like yeah it's it's hard not to especially as a first time brewer i i brewed in buckets to start with really i brought by kit plastic five uh, gallon they're (laughs) food grade but i think they're six gallon buckets because you're trying for a five gallon batch so you need a little bit of extra space yeah but uh, as a kid i bought from it's a brew shop here in columbus called gentiles and it was like everything to need to brew your first batch okay and so it had like two buckets um one had a spigot on it came with a bit of plastic tubing probably three or four foot long a stick with like a spring loaded nozzle to fill bottles later, uh, <laughs> yeah. capper to cap the bottles later. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was just like, I th- I'm trying to think, I, I think it came with a funnel mm-hmm. and it was just sort of like, this is the bare necessities. Yeah. And I remember like trying to say, yeah, I think that is good value for your money. Cause after you kind of source all these individually, yeah. like buying the package deal is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But then you have this five gallon bucket that's opaque and so it's just like, is it working? Yeah. <laughs> What's it look like? And I've never brewed. I've never knew any, known anybody that brewed. I've never seen beer brewing in the process. So I'm just like, but it did. The bucket has a hole in the top where you can put the airlock in. Yeah. And so you're seeing the bubbles happen. Yeah. You but you want to crack it open so bad, but you really don't because then <laughs> yeah. you're going to introduce like if you have a pet, a stray cat hair or a dog oh. hair falls in there. Um, a speck of dust. Game you, over. You sneeze yeah. when you don't expect it, and then it's just like I might have just ruined that. 
And it's just, you got to just let it ride. What? Okay. So like a first time, like you're brewing beer, I'm just picturing myself, I'd be a complete mess, but how confident are you at the end of the process that you're not going to make mm. yourself super sick? Not at all. Not very confident. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it like uh, after uh, the fermentation, when you, like I, I'm, I'm sure I peaked once or twice. Mm-hmm. And while it ferments, like if you, like I said, now I have a carboy so I can watch it happen. And if you are looking at it, you can literally see the liquid like churning inside there. You can see wow. the, the yeast starts to come together. It's called flocculation where they, they sort of gang up together and hang out. So you see these chunks floating around yeah. and like, what's the chunks? I don't like the yeah. chunks. Yeah. But, but they're there. And is that bad? <laughs> what or I don't know. <laughs> but so you see all this stuff happening. And then after it's done, like within the carboy, you can see like at the bottom, there's probably about a quarter inch of this really kind of white, like silty. That's all your yeast that's fallen to the bottom. They're now fat and happy and they're sleeping at the bottom. That's and then, wild. Um, mm. On top, like all this sort of like, really kind of gross-looking foam happens on the top because ale yeast and ales, um, ale beers are easier for home brewers to brew because the yeast works at room temperature. Got it. Where a lager yeast, you need to refrigerate. So you need, they like about 50 degrees or so to ferment. So, so you need to have your most, own refrigeration yeah, and that, section. That's where you get into the temperature controls of temperature control yeah. fermenters and Whoa. am I going to run a glycol chiller on this thing? Yeah. And it's just like, then you're all, all this other equipment. I've tried to keep it basic. I pretty much just stick to ales. Yeah. And um, so it's just like I put it in a cool corner of my house. Um, I wrap it with a bath towel. Yeah. Because uh, you don't want light in there. Light's bad for beer. Is that, that's similar to kombucha, right? That would be. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you want to keep the light off of it. So I just put a bath towel around it, or, but I can still see the bubbler going. And then sometimes I'll just take a peek, put it back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that when you first brew your first batch, you yeah. look at it like this is a mess. Yeah. This is gross looking. <laughs> so then you move it over either to like the the bucket you're going to bottle into, or um, if I like you're doing a secondary, um, you move it over and there's all this junk left at the bottom. That's where I say I kind of make a bigger batch than I need. Then I can feel bad about like oh, I'm going to leave that and mm. just. I just dump mine down the sink. That's the yeast mm-hmm. that's left over. Some yeah. people reclaim Some people it and reuse it. it, and they is have that a like is that like the thing where like you have a you can have a mother, and then it's kind like, of. I think that's more like a sourdough thing. Intri- yeah, that's but, what um, my brother does in in New York. He but yeah, I know that people sourdough. like will brew a batch of beer and then kind of retain that and then move it for the next next batch and then okay. So you don't have like one that's constantly growing. You just keep it keep the chain moving. It's like you you. Keep a little from the last batch to use in the next batch. And yep. then keep a little from that batch to move to the next batch. Does that give you control over flavor? It does. Um, and then it sort of kind of creates its own unique yeah, flavor. I think there's, um, time. there's one it's of the wild. Gra- the granddaddy breweries here in Columbus um, is Barley's. Oh, yeah. Um, they have a location on High Street in the short <laughs> north area. Yep, yep. And the guy that owns that, uh, he was a home brewer. And uh, from what I hear, I've never, I've talked to him like one time. For mm-hmm. like a very brief yeah, I mean, moment, a few times. But um, but the word on the street is he's a very very hospitable to home brewers, mm-hmm. and he's had this strain of yeast that he uses, and he's kept it perpetually going. They've been open for like I want to say about has it been thirty years or twenty years at I least. I think they're the longest one. But he kind of always has this yeast on hand, and That's like wild. I, the story is, is if you catch him at the brewery and ask him for some, he'll like fill up like a little growler of it, and what? it's like. 
you get this giant container. For, this is a story that someone had told me, and it's like he's like, "Sure, I'll get you some yeast," and it's like this giant, like half gallon container, and you're using maybe an ounce. And the yeah, it so is. it's like, "Well, great. What do I do with all this?" Yeah. But, but he's just I mean, he's just really help, happy to help home brewers. And he had, that's they, super cool. Prior to the pandemic, they'd held a, a homebrew competition like every year for like yeah. twenty some years. And wow. So it's, it's they haven't cool. picked it back up yet. I I don't know. I, I can't Could say be. yes or okay. no. Yeah. Okay, that this is this is like super fascinating. Like Kim once got into trying to brew kombucha. Mm-hmm. Who gave you the who gave you the mother? Yeah. Shelly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So she was doing like I mean it's nothing like what you guys are describing mm. like at all. Okay, so history was it monks that came up that figured out beer? I think it goes beyond monks. I yeah. think we're talking like 5,000 years ancient. back. Really? And I mean, the story I think that most people would say is it's pretty much saved humanity because it the process of making beer makes your liquid clean yeah. to drink. Clean the water. So you're That's boiling right. water, and it's also a way like farmers would have so much grain, but they can't store it in a good way. Yep. So they make this liquid bread. Yep. That it has nutritional value. Yep. Um, the water's been boiled, so it's something sanitary and safe to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the origins of it. And a lot of times, like when you think of like, well, they were probably hammered all the time, but it was probably like a two percent beer. Yeah. Like it was yeah. really, and it's like I couldn't even imagine like who figured this out. Right. But somebody did it, and thank goodness. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was. But yeah, it was common that. Actually, the it was they call them alewives. Um, it was sort of the the wives' responsibility, and so most brewers right off the bat were women. Oh, I, I mean, it makes hey. sense. Yep, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it was though. part of the household duty. Yeah, your home, you're doing stuff. Yep, yep. Because so. I mean, because what you're describing is a very hands-on process, at least at the beginning. Now, do you guys have like a dedicated space for this? Uh, I mean, space in my house. It's probably. I'd like to have more space, but yeah, us too. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, similar to your, it, it breaks down in stores. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, there's definitely guys that have like a, a small, like small scale brewery in their basement. Yep. And, mm-hmm. Like, and it's like some of the stuff I see on there is just bananas. I mean, it's like a step down from a microbrewery. Yeah. And uh, that's yeah. that's wild. When you're done with the fermenting process, what do you have to do next? Uh, package it. Yeah, depending. So you're um, mostly done. Mostly, yeah. You're in the I home mean, stretch for sure. Home yeah. stretch. Okay. There are some beers you might want to dry hop, which is just like yeah. uh, introducing more hops for more um, aroma. Can you tell me what a hop is? It's uh, like a looks like a little pine cone. It's okay, that's dope. what I was visualizing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a, has a like plant. little resins in it, and those resins are what flavor. So you, if you wanted to add it, you would be adding it into like it's done fermenting. Mm-hmm. You add it in that container. Yeah, say like five, ten days. You can yeah. throw it right into the container. It, it's it's uh, sanitary. I don't know how. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we use wild. the the hops we typically use are processed. It's not like that whole little. It's called like a cone or a, the the hop flower. Got it. Um, we use it's their hop pellets where they take that flower and basically pulverize it, mm-hmm. and then they bind it together with some sort of food grade gum. Got it. And it extrudes out, and they just sort of cut it. So it literally looks like little tiny pellets. Got so, it. But it's great. Actually, you get more bang for your buck with those, because if you throw the whole cone in there, just that outer letter, layer is touching the boiling beer. 
with the pulverized pellet, as soon as you touch it in, it basically dissolves into the, the liquid. Oh, And so okay. you get more hop utilization where there's more surface area touching the bits of hop. So you can use less hop but get more of the bitterness or the flavor out of it. Okay, so that's what you're doing with the hops is is affecting the bitterness? Bitterness and level. overall flavor. Overall flavor. Yeah, and aroma. Aroma. Again, it's, with hops, it's tricky because it's like when you're putting it in. Yeah. So at the, very, the longer it sits in the boil, the bitter it gets. So you get really bitterness if it sits in there for an hour, an hour and a half. If you're putting it in in the last five minutes... It's more or less, it's going to affect the, the taste. Yeah. It's not the bitter taste. That's when you're getting more of the fruitiness from yep. it. Um, and then, like Paul said, at the very end, when you're putting it into the, the after it's been fermented, the dry hop, yeah. um, you're, it's almost 100% smell. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to impart much flavor. You're imparting absolutely no bitterness, but it's all smell that you're getting. But that can sometimes affect how you perceive taste, taste for sure. How you perceive the taste. Yeah. That's interesting. Have you guys ever like brewed and like you get the final product and it's like, wow. And then you don't remember the process so you can't replicate it? No, I, we both are pretty good about writing everything down or so is this a, part, is this a yeah. beer journal? Yeah, beer yeah. journals. And, That's dope. Um, they're also online. There's uh, references. Like I use one called Brugger. You can just type everything in. Yeah, we both use, use the same one. And you can go through and add notes through the whole process. So, so just like an online app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't think they have an app. I have the app. Actually. You do? Yeah, I know yeah. they have an app. That's yep. exciting. That's cool. Okay, so how do you have time to write while you're doing this? Um, sort of like there, there is big breaks because you're waiting. Mm, okay. Like when you're mashing, you're waiting that hour. Got it. So it's like you are kind of setting up for your next step, but that typically doesn't take that whole time of mashing. Mm-hmm. So there are times where, like, we'll set up a couple chairs, yeah, so and we'll sit down, down, and, we'll, like, we have our timer set, and we're, we're like, Facebooking, we yeah. have music. We're like, hey, did you see that article? <laughs> we need to stir in, like, 30 seconds. All right, I'll get this stir. Mm-hmm. And it's That's like, awesome. But uh, Cleaning some things in between. Yeah, clean yeah. things in between. Because sometimes uh, something you use in step one You'll need again in step five. So you got to get it clean first. But it needs to be clean and sanitized got by it. the time you need it then. And, or you need Jeez. a whole kind of thing set up for step three. So you kind of start, well, let's start sanitizing our fermenter, and we'll get the uh, our chiller system set up with the hoses and pump so we can circulate the liquid through. And that's Okay, this is so wild. I Okay, I want to get your take on this. When I, when I was in flight school, we had checklists literally for everything. And it was all sure. about being safe mm-hmm. because you don't want to crash. No. Yeah. <laughs> most most <laughs> no, days you don't want to crash. No. It's a good life goal. Right. To not don't crash. crash. Um, so like we would, every single plane had basically like a notebook that was just like checklists for whatever you're about to do. Okay. I am getting ready to turn on the engine. Let me go through my engine checklist. We had a checklist that we went through while we're going into land. All these things to look at, look out the window, make sure you still have a wheel. Um, <laughs> Which is really important if you have landing gear that goes up and down, obviously. But even with like landing gear mm-hmm. that doesn't go up into the plane, you still want to go look as a habit to make sure you can see a wheel. Um, obviously, that makes sense. But I, I remember never getting to a point where I was comfortable enough with the checklist that I didn't look at it. 
Yeah. Well, you weren't. You were actually required to look at it, but there was plenty of times I was flying by myself and I wouldn't have to. But right. I never felt safe yeah. enough to not look. At, so, like, it's good to have it. <laughs> when, are you guys doing anything like that while you're going Sometimes, through all these steps? Yeah, I have forgotten a step before. Where, like, oh I, yeah, I don't put Irish moss in. I'm like, why is my beer so cloudy? What did I? <laughs> yeah, do? and that's sort I, of like it doesn't really affect the flavor. It affects the appearance of it. What this what yeah. he was talking about. So it's not detrimental. Appearance like how? Like what is it? The clarity at the end. Like if it's you have a nice clear beer, or is it kind of like hazy and hard to see through? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Irish moss is an additive that you can kind of put in at the end of the boil, and it's literally a moss, and it does from Ireland. Um, I don't, yeah, sure. I don't know. We'll go with that. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, it just sort of kind of has some sort of. We're not chemists by any means. We I meant to say the disclaimer. Earlier. Definitely more of a chemist than I am. But uh, mm. but definitely like home self-taught home brewers. But we know that when you put Irish moss in, I don't know why, but it yields a clearer beer. Got it. Um, but yeah, I mean this, this is such such a wild process. Okay, have you ever made a giant mess? Uh, I've had a boil over. Probably, yeah. Um, and it's right as the beer. Oh, man. You've run all the... <laughs> you run the mash like- through, and um, you have your beer in your boil kettle, and you're bringing it up to temperature to boil. Right. Um, it hits this point where it gets a little put- punchy. And, Meaning? Um, like... What does you, punchy mean? Uh, you get this sort of real fine foam layer when uh-huh. it gets about 190 degrees or so. Boil is about 211 as boil okay. temperature. Um so about 180, 190, you see this sort of like a real fine, thin, thin foam go over the top. You're like, where are we getting there? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it seems like it's like, boil now. And it just gets really like crazy. And especially yeah. it depends on how much, you know, we use propane burners. So like how, how much do we have it cranked? Yeah. And you're better to creep up on it. I get impatient and crank it. That would be me. I was like, I want to, I don't want to spend all day doing this. I got to get to my boil quick. So yeah. I, I have a tendency of cranking my burner up. But then I have to remember when I see that, I need to start backing my propane off because it's going to boil at any second. And if you get distracted in the slightest, right when it does, you look back and it's just foam. Oh, God. And it's flowing over the pot, all over the floor. Like we both use our garage as our brewery. Sure. And so it's like you got this sticky mess on the floor and like, how much did I just lose? I don't know. Yeah. I but, feel like, Paul, you had a memory. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to share somebody else's. <laughs> oh, it's somebody else's. Yeah. I, see, I, I did see the aftermath of a blow off at the brewery oh, at, yeah. a, at a brewery one time, and it was a it was a disaster. It all the way up the ceiling. Oh, the gosh. ceiling was probably fifteen feet high. Yeah, <laughs> it was all over the gosh. ceiling. Yeah, sometimes the fermentation's a little more um, excitable than you anticipate. Mm-hmm. And I talked about the little airlock you put in. Yep. Some beers you just know, they tend to be like a heavier beer. Like you talked about Rasputin, which is like an imperial stout. Mm-hmm. Um, those tend to ferment a little more vigorously. And so instead of that little guy, um, I just got mine at Home Depot, but it's just a, a tube that's about, it fits perfect into the top mm-hmm. of that bottle. Mm-hmm. And then it runs down and I just have a little bucket of sanitizer. Mm-hmm. And because that little tiny hole is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't anticipate that, yeah, it, it clogs that the hole and then it pops out. And I've had it. Like it chunky stuff. An imperial stuff. Oh. When I first started brewing and I came home from work and I, I had it on my ceiling. <laughs> and I was yeah. living with mom and dad at the time. I don't know if they knew it or not, but I, I cleaned it up before they, they could see it. <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. This happened uh, pre-fermentation. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. i never seen anything like that. But uh, 
I've done the same thing you've done. Yeah. With the boil, like the, uh, what do they call that? The boil over. No, it's um, it's called something. When the blow you have off the hose, tube. The blow, blow off, off tube. tube. I didn't have a blow off tube on once, and I never had like I don't use them anymore because I have vessels big enough for that alcohol vapor to go. But if you have it in a tight container, sometimes that can be a recipe yeah. for disaster. I can't even imagine. Um, I'm writing something down because I know how I want to do the next step here. So what we're going to do now is we are going to transition into the next phase of the podcast. This is going to be the last part of this awesome podcast where we're going to pause the recording. We are going to get set up because Dustin and Paul brought some home brewed beer that we get to try and we're really excited to try it. And I'm going to ask all the questions like what the heck hoppy means. Yeah. Uh, what was my other thing that I wanted to ask? Yeah, like the term hoppy, and then well, you guys, you guys already talked to me about like dry and everything. So we'll take a we'll take a pause here, and then we'll be right back. Cool. Okay, everybody, we are back and we have uh, the beers that have been home brewed laid out in front of us. We have four different kinds. I'm going to I'm going to read them. And then if you guys want to just tell me whatever fun facts you want to tell me about. Or actually, let's do this. I'll read them and then you just tell me about these beers. That's what I'll do. I'll read all four of them. And then okay. you just tell me whatever we want to know about these four beers. So first we have the smoked lager. Then we have a pale ale. Then we have an old ale, and then we have an oatmeal porter, which sounds fascinating. So what, what's going on with these beers? Uh, the lager is the one that takes the longest. It's the, it's the, um, it's lagered, so it took Chilled? Yep. Yes, it fermented. It ferments in cold yep. temperature. Um, and then it has a little slight bit of smoked grains in it. It's actually an all-German recipe, so all the grains are all German. All the hops are German. Oh, wow. Everything... Just uh, try to do like a real basic, uh, I forget what they call it, Rosh beer or something. Is that what they call smoke lager? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just Rosh beer? Rosh, yeah. Rosh, Rosh, Rosh. So just a German smoked lager. And you can tell them about the pale because that's really your. Uh, yeah, the second one's a, a pale ale. Uh, pale ale is probably one of my favorite styles of beer to drink. I, I feel like when I get a pale ale, I really like, I like it when they're super balanced. I don't want it super hoppy, but not super malty. Mm-hmm. It, it's something like it's a session beer. You want to drink it over a period of time. And what does hoppy mean? Guys? Hoppy is that sort of bitterness. Bitterness. Um, yep. So like, and again, it can either be bitter or just overwhelming floral or fruity sort of right. flavors or aromas. Mm-hmm. Um, but when typically when I'm talking about like a balance and I say it, it's super hoppy, I'm talking like it's bitter. Yeah. Like a very strong bitterness. So what about the malty? Malty is more the sweetness quality of the beer. Okay. And those two sort of play together to balance it out. Yeah. Sure. So a, an IPA would be kind of on that hoppy end where the third one we're going to have is the old ale, which has more malt in it. Um, so it's going to be on the maltier side with very little hops. Even in the recipe, it probably it has very little hops. Does malty equal more f- foam? Um, not really. Not necessarily. No yeah. 
And what governs how uh, fizzy? Carbonated. Thank you. Carbonated. Yeah. What governns that? Um, we have suggestions for each style, yep. kind of how much pressure. And there's like charts on. that you can look at. Uh, okay. And like um, we force carb. So cause we both keg our beer. Um, bottling is very small time. kegs. Uh, yeah, it? it's a five gallon keg. Five gallon keg. Um, you want to talk yeah, about it? Yeah, we used to bottle. It was just such a pain. I was Ted, you're spending three hours cleaning bottles and sanitizing the bottles. Yeah, after sanitizing you all them. of them. So instead, oh, just I can't imagine. Dump it in a keg and call it, put a day. it in the fridge. So kegs are easier to clean? Yeah, yeah I'd easy. say so, yeah. yeah. Just let them soak. They kind of, there's not a ton of parts to a keg, really. Um, so you can you take it apart and just, um, you can either just soak it. Uh, my wife bought me this cool contraption for either my birthday last year or Christmas, I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, like, keg washer for, like, a home brewer. Nice. Um, it also works for the carboys, the fermenters, because those get kind of gunky because they're sitting no for doubt. a week. Yeah. And I, like I talked about, you get that foamy ring along the top, and it leaves this sort of gunk around the upper edge. Yeah. Um, so before my method of cleaning it was soaking it in hot water with a brewer soap. That's The brewer soap's formulated to sort of break down that yeah. um, res- residue left over from brewing. Yeah. And so to fill that thing up, that's like six gallons of water. Jeez. And it's hot water, so you're using like gas or electricity to heat the water, and it's just sitting there, and then literally you're just going to dump it out. Yeah. So I'd always hated how much water. And to make beer, you go through so much water. It's crazy. Between like to to make a five-gallon batch of beer, typically you're going to, in the recipe, you're going to use close to 10 gallons. I mean, that's wild. Because your, your grain absorbs it when you mash so you don't get all the water back. Whatever yeah. you put in, you're only going to get part of that back. Um, when you put the hops in there, that's going to absorb some of it. Like I said, there's parts you leave behind. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, sorry, we kind of <laughs> sidetracked into <laughs> no, 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 cleaning kegs. Again, it's but like the thing that, uh, I'm that I've got just learning so much. So like, there's there's just so much here. So this is this is good. I don't even remember we were talking about the yeah, old we were, ale. I'm sorry. Um, but well, we were talking about the pale ale, and pale uh, ale. where I was talking about liking it to be kind of balanced mm-hmm. uh, between hoppy and um, and malty. And actually, this particular recipe, um, I, I have a, a name for it, special lady friend, mm-hmm. and I, I sort of formulated it or made the recipe to my wife's taste because mm-hmm. she doesn't always like a pale ale. Yeah, um, especially the more traditional pale mm-hmm. ales are those kind of piney, grassy. And, like, can you name a couple beers that uh, Sierra Nevada is my kind oh, of like. Okay. Um, that's probably the most common, well-known pale ale on the market. What's funny is I think anybody that starts brewing, they have to make something that their wife likes. Yeah. It's like yep. everybody <laughs> Well, you have to it. justify your yeah. time, right? Mm-hmm. Your, the, the, the time. Uh, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we so. actually met the guy. The first time Kim ever liked a beer, she liked a beat of Purple Haze, and we actually mm. met the guy that... Um, no way. Made that beer. We were just randomly at a brewery in North Carolina, and this guy comes up, and I'm telling him. He's like, oh, yeah, that was my beer. And I'm like, there's no way that's true story. And I looked him up right there on my phone. I was like, yeah, that's Tim. It's a guy that it's started a beer. from a bit up. That's, yeah. that's so, amazing. Oh, my gosh. Um, I had a question, and I lost it. So we can just continue with uh, yeah. what we do want to do. Old Ale now? Tell yeah. me about Old Ale. Uh, old Ale um, is a... It came from a uh, Irish red recipe. I yeah, Irish red ale recipe that I'm always tweaking. Mm. And this particular batch, I switched up the yeast. Mm-hmm. And actually, I had a conundrum where it got more sugar than I expected. Mm-hmm. So the 
um, there's sort of a ratio of how much yeast you have to put in based on the sugar. Mm-hmm. And so I only bought enough yeast for the amount of sugar I expected. Got it. So I had to go back to the brew store and of course they were out of the yeast that I'd used and I had to grab another one. So I kind of have accidentally blended or unintentionally blended yeast, yeast which that that happens. You can make, make a beer that way. How did you, how, when did you know that there was too much sugar? Um, there's at the, we didn't really talk about this. Um, there's sort of numbers you can look at to evaluate, um, how much sugar you got out of the batch during the process. Yeah. Yeah. So after, before you typically at the very end, when you get it into the fermenter, um, as you're moving it into the fermenter, um, we have this sort of really tall flask and we put some in that. And then there's this, we, we typically use a tool called a hydrometer and it's a big, it's a long glass tube. So like a foot long, uh, 10 inches, 10 or eight inches. inches. Um, and then it has a little bit of some sort of like pewter metal in the bottom to weight it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the middle, somehow they've scrolled up paper and have it in this enclosed glass little thing. Hmm. I just, um, but that paper has a gauge on it, like a scale. Okay. And so you put it in that flask and you see what level it floats at. And then you get a number. Um, we, we use typically use what's called uh, specific gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically a, a, a beer would be like 1052. It'd be 1.052 would be the reading. Okay. But typically brewers would say 1052 was my, my original gravity. Got it. And so that kind of, then from that, you can determine how much sugar you got out of your batch. Yeah, you wait till the end, and then you measure it again. Yeah, so after it's fermented. the amount of sugar that's, you know, dissipated or yep. whatever. Yeah, the got eaten say. by the yeast. So the, the the solution will be less dense. So that scale will drop lower into the solution, which is your beer okay. at this point. And so you'll have two numbers, the original gravity and then your final gravity, which is in the ballpark of like 10, 12. Okay. And then you kind of do some math and you're like, oh, I have a 5.2% beer. Got it. And that's sort of how you can calculate your um, ABV. And that that percentage that you just said, is that alcohol content? Alcohol Alcohol by by volume. volume. Yeah. Alcohol by volume. ABV. ABV. Oh, I've seen that acronym before. Uh Yeah, I think about huh. anything that's over 5%, they're supposed to put it on the label. Um, if you're under 5%, they don't have to disclose it on a... Like, I feel like the Rasputin that we've been talking about, I think that was like 9. 9 or 10, <laughs> probably, yeah. That was so always... That's pretty, I remember that one at Spaggio's, and yeah. John was like, you got to try this one, and we tried it. Like, that's terrible, man. <laughs> yeah, they typically are very syrupy and thick, yeah. a lot of, lot of heaviness in the mouth. Um, those high, they call those high gravity beers. I'm, tr- I'm tr- honestly trying to remember. Like, I think, oh, I remember somebody told me about Leinenkugel because Leinenkugel wasn't in Columbus, and then it mm-hmm. got here. And there was somebody that I worked with again when I was a teller at a bank. It's really funny because when you start drinking beer and people find out that you drink beer. They just tell you stuff and you get a bunch of information like, oh, go to Anderson's. They have an amazing, yes. there was just yeah. like a random person that was like, oh, you want to try beers? Go to Anderson's and just, they have a whole thing of imports and just mm-hmm. try stuff. So I remember, oh, what's the, uh, what's the, um, there, there's a one from Britain that's kind of popular. I think it has like a golden label. Oh, I'm, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I might remember it later. Um, but that was one of my favorites to get at, mm. at, at the Andersons, that and Sapporo that we already mentioned. Okay. Oatmeal Porter. 
The oatmeal porter is, uh, porters are typically a darker beer, mm-hmm. um, somewhere like the brown range to approaching black. It looks to appearance. me similar to a Guinness. Yes, it's it. a little lighter. A um, if you hold them to the light, you can typically see some, the light travels through it. Um, oh, yeah. And it has sort of a brown or ambery quality. Yep. Where a Guinness, you're not going to see light through that, most likely. It's very, very black. Yeah. And porters and stouts are very similar, in my opinion. Stouts tend to be, they can be drier, um, where they don't have that sort of residual mouth um, after flavor, aftertaste. Um, and then I think it comes down to the recipe and the grains you put in that really, if you're splitting hairs between porters and stouts. Okay. Um, to be uh, less alcohol in a porter. Yeah. Uh, and then um, a <laughs> stout uses a, an unmalted grain, so they don't do that sort of jump start. Mm-hmm. of the starting the seed to sprout, but they do um, roast it. Okay. So it gets those really dark, kind of like roasting a coffee bean. And that's sort of where you get your colors of beer too. Um, barley is typically your grain that you're using. And then your base grains are very light in color. And then they, some of them they'll roast. And as they roast, they caramelize. So you're not doing the roasting? No, that's mm. the the grain we buy at the brew stores. Oh, it's already been roasted. Sorry, okay. But there's like, you buy one, it's like, it's called Crystal 60. And the 60 refers to how long it's been roasted and how dark it is. Got it. And that'll give you an idea of how dark your final product will be. Got it. Okay. So, okay. Like this particular one has Crystal 60 added to it. Okay. So it's going to have more of like an orangey uh, appearance. Okay. Or golden. Um, okay. Well, I'm really excited. I, I remember, I think it was when I got my private pilot's license, we went to, I believe it was downtown, and I got, it was like a flight, uh, I don't know if that's what you call it, but it was like in shot glasses, 21 different flavors oh, of geez. beer. Oh, wow. It was too much. <laughs> <laughs> but there was one, I, I saved it like close to the end, and it had like strawberry infused in it, and I didn't like it at all. But I was amazed that you could infuse beer with strawberries. Yeah. So the amount of flavor control that you have when you're brewing is amazing. I, I have like one just general question before we get into this. Do you guys even like beer at a store? Yeah. 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 You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's sad how much beer I still buy mm-hmm. because we do, we brew a good amount and mm-hmm. I usually have, like we both have, we call it a kegerator mm-hmm. where those small kegs we have fit into them and mine has like four handles on it. So I have four of those little kegs in a kegerator mm-hmm. and, but I'm still always buying stuff. Like I've never seen that before. And is that the thing that has like the hose attached to it with the thing? And then like, that's how you get it. Yeah. Mine, kind of, like you literally drill a hole through the front of the tap door. And oh. So it's like at the bar, like a tap handle yeah. sticks out the front of it. Okay. So that's mine, cool. Mine has four on it. And I think Paul's up too. Yeah. Kim and I don't drink much at home. Actually, we do. Yeah, mostly. they they go out brewery mostly quite go a bit. to brewery. Sure. And yeah. Well, so. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I get that big discount from working. That's at right. The, yeah. Yep. So. Well, and it's research. Sense. I mean, trying oh, other yeah. beers, mm-hmm. it'd be kind of ignorant to do your own thing forever and ever and ever. And yeah. Not like creating in a vacuum. It, like it, it's, right. You want to be inspired. Yes. So Paul and I would go on vacations like Portland, Oregon, Asheville, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Denver. Majority, oh yeah, yeah, Denver. Denver, yeah. We're going to fifteen breweries. Yeah. Wow, so sometimes you're, more. You're walking <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That sounds you're amazing. Like, wow, I had fifty beers this week. Um, <laughs> how am I alive? <laughs> um, but it's really cool because you're you're getting to experience. What does it feel like to walk into this brewery? What what kind of people are here? What kind of music are they playing? How are they in their community? Like 
brewing, the industry is just really cool. And then you're going to get to try all the different beers that you yeah. would have maybe never, it's like art. Yeah. You would have never experienced unless some, that person started brewing beer and decided yeah. to share it with somebody. Because it has that person's hand on it. Yeah. Their, it's a craft. Their imprint, I right. guess. You, you can't help say. it. That's so. a good way to put that. Um, okay, well, let's go ahead and yeah. try it. So we're going to go left to right. So we're going to start off with the smoked lager. It smells amazing. That's delicious. Mm-hmm. That's delicious. Now, I'm going to use not official speak here as I describe it, but to me it tastes very refreshing, a little bit buttery. Mm. Tastes a little buttery to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a good way because I don't usually like butter, but that's how I'm, that's how I'm describing yeah, it. I'm going to take it. Uh, like smooth and bright. Smooth and bright. That's, that's my Kim's. Uh, input. She's not mic'd. Oh, hey, we have new equipment, everybody. We have a fourth mic now, finally. So that's why we're able to have three guests, um, which is mostly because of my brother. He made a contribution. So shout out to Sean. Yes. Thank you, Sean. Um, he listens to this podcast, obviously, uh, my brother, and uh, he wanted to donate to help. So he donated over the holidays and we were able to. to, donate to the show. Okay. So Kim just said, if you want to donate, to us because eventually we want to get like cameras and everything going too. So if you want to donate to us, you can uh, direct message uh, either of us, I guess. Anyway, cheers, cheers. To, to your brother <laughs> and other people. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's this is this is delicious. Yeah. Um, it's not too bubbly. It's refreshing. It's smooth. Yeah. Am, I, am I using right terms at all here to describe? Yeah. Like, I want to drink this in the summer. Yes. It's yes. a good yeah. summer beer. Yeah, it tastes like a good summer beer. I really like this. Uh, is this a pale ale or an IPA that you made uh, here? It's more the pale ale, yeah. That's the second one? Yeah. Yep. This one, um, like, it really smells very florally when I'm smelling it, but when I'm tasting it, it has, like, a lot of um, fruit. To yeah. It. Oh, wow. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that, that was part of Taylor. This is the one that I tailored to my wife's taste, Morgan's, um, that she favored more of like what we'd call an East, East Coast IPA. They're more fruity um, rather than those sort of like earthy flavors and piney flavors. She likes the brighter, fruitier. So I, I picked specific hops. And again, I used them later in the boil. Mm-hmm. So we're not getting that bitterness. We're getting all those nice fruity qualities out of it. I used um, that there's citra. Calypso and Hall Melon are the, the hops. Those are hops. Those okay. are all high hop varieties, and there's hundreds of different varieties, and each one lends its own character. And do we know if all of the hops come from a hop? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good I, I, now there are like. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a thinker. Yeah, because I think I heard something where all apples come from a apple, right? Right. Or or something like where they 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 graft. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was just wondering, like maybe um, I know that like some hops that we use, they're they're laboratory created at this point, sure, right. to get those certain characters. So like, I was just reading something today where it's I for, I can't remember what hops I was reading about, but it was explaining like this is a daughter of a cascade. Mm-hmm. It might have been the Calypso. I could be wrong though, but it was saying that I think like, Centennial is a an offshoot of Cascade. So like you like, have super. Yeah, and then I think Super there are cascade. like a handful. Super cascade. They call them the noble hops, and I think those are kind of like the originals. 
Um, those are usually used in like English beers. Um, that's awesome. Our kids are getting a little stir crazy. So Kim's kind of coming <laughs> up and down is usually we can get away with about an hour to an hour and a half. We're doing yeah. good because we took a break and everything. We're at an hour 19. So, okay. Before I taste another beer, I just what do, do like a nice swig of water. Swish I, I swish a bit and okay. uh, kind of cleanse the palate. Okay. Um, do a little dance. <laughs> do a little noise. dance hop around yeah. we're doing all this with headphones on our heads with wires connected so we're doing some <laughs> maneuvering here but i'm trying the pale ale now and this is your brew yeah it is was the smoked lager your brew uh oh. yeah i made this um actually i think these are this is actually our recipe together right i think it's um, more your recipe like we, we brewed it together oh. the first time but it was a recipe. That's delicious. That kind of yeah. <laughs> That's delicious. It's surprising the that you said it was hall melon. Hall melon is the dry hop. It has almost a melony taste. And that's it where does. it gets the name. It's it's supposed to impart like cantaloupe, passion fruit. The pale ale? The uh, yeah, that the that final dry hop um hop that goes in. It's called a hall melon. And it's supposed to do that like passion but it, fruit. The smell is very um, floral on like that. stone fruit. How do you get the floor? That is amazing. So I'm, I've never smelled beer before, I don't think. But I'm smelling the pale ale, and it does smell very, I, to your point, florally. How do you get that? That's a late edition. Late edition. So okay. that's where that dry hop comes in, where okay. you're putting the hop after fermentation's all done. <clears throat> um, I typically do it five days before I'm going to keg. Okay. That's when I add that last dose of hops. Okay. And... Um, let it just kind of chill out for five days and then move it over to the keg. Okay. I mean, yeah, this is delicious. The, there's like a, there's an after flavor that happens that you don't get initially. But when I, when I first take the initial sip, it's, it has more carbonation. Let me do, let me do another one. <laughs> yeah. If, like, as I breathe, like it's a very dynamic type of a flavor. I feel like I'm getting. Did you try the pale ale? This one. Yep, the yes, second really, one. I really like this one. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I thought this was amazing, and I think I might like this one more. So kudos, thanks for making this for your wife. We yeah. are. We <laughs> thanks, are Morgan. It. Yeah, tell her I like it too. <laughs> well, Morgan and I, it's funny because you're saying, "Am I saying these words right? Can I be?" You're always right. Sure. Mm -hmm. That that it's your experience. No yeah. one can take yeah. that away from you. Whatever you're getting from it is right. It's it feels like feels like woodsy, yeah. like mm -hmm. organic, like earthy. Yeah, I think that might be the 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 longer hop, the one that's in there for the hour that adds the the bitterness um, as a citra hop. But I think uh, that's where you get that more of like the bitter earthiness. So that's what, okay. So the terms are kind of making sense. Okay. Um, I want to keep drinking that one, but we'll keep moving on. Old ale. I'm trying not to make too many like mouth drinking right. gross sounds <laughs> in oh, here. Really? <laughs> 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 oh, what are you trying to avoid? <laughs> I'll do it for you. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try the uh, old ale now. And it looks amazing. I should be talking about the looks because you guys, mm -hmm. it's not on video, but... Um, it looks like they get darker left to right. Yep. Yeah, that's what we're aiming for. This old ale, it has like a reddish color to it, where the other two are more like right. a bright sunlight type of a color. And it's got a nice... I always liked that. Like whenever a beer had 
mm-hmm. whatever you called us. It's actually the uh, the lace. The lacing. And especially like as you drink the beer and it follows down the glass. Yeah, that's kind of like sign. how this was. Oh, that's where it comes from. That's lacing right there. Okay, so the new term lacing, everybody, what that is is like as you're drinking it and that foam Clings type of to thing cleans to the side. I never heard that term before. All right. Oh, what in the, is this the one with the coffee? No. No, no I didn't bring the coffee but one. What is that? It's, the, it's that English <laughs> yeast that I ended up blending. So you get these kind of like dried fruit fruitiness qualities yeah. coming out which like i said i intended it to be an irish red. red ale which don't have those characteristics at all so like as a home brewer you don't necessarily have to care what you call your beer sure but um unless you like, want to win a competition if you're trying to send into a competition <laughs> which sure. is legit like we've mm. we've entered there's a national homebrew competition that happens every year there's like an organization called the american homebrewers association where um, it changes year. It's, it's yeah, it is every year. They, they move change it, it kind of year to year. Um, but I, I entered a couple beers last like year. Minneapolis last year, I think it was. And um, like, it's just so difficult and expensive to send stuff out to that. Oh, no um, doubt. Yeah, and technically, you're, it's against the law to ship alcohol through the United States Mail and Postal Service. So, so can you tell me how you do it? You, I, I can't, but I can say that you're supposed to. You're supposed to use a private carrier, so like hire somebody, and it's like like, like UPS. Your no, cousin? No, not even. They, they, they actually, the first year we entered the competition, the UPS busted us. <laughs> They called us and said, come pick up your beer. And so we had to drive back. And they're I like, told, you open our boxes. I told them it was yeast samples. Yeah, yeast cultures. It's sort yes. of the code. How yep. did they figure it? Did they just They le- legit opened it. They opened it, it up. And yeah. This is UPS? Mm-hmm. That was UPS, yeah. I've used some That's other carriers hysterical. that don't haven't opened packages, so I go with them. Like, could you pay me to do it? Yeah. Or not pay, pay me, like just to ask pay. me to do it. I think it's because of the, uh, obviously alcohol is an age-restricted item. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure you're not shipping it to some kid in Colorado. Yeah. Or, you know, they they and by using that private carrier, um, or there's, I think you can, and I think things are getting a lot more lackadaisical because you can get like well, mail order beer now stuff we can. now. They've had kind of yeah, changed. I mean, the industry COVID, had to change. But, everything's um, changed. But yeah, it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's all about that age-restricted item and making sure that the place that sent it was old enough and the people that are receiving, receiving it, it are, are old enough. enough to have it. I think that's where it really comes yeah. from. And UPS the, or USPS doesn't really, they just drop packages off and leave. They're not verifying anything. Right, so, right. But. I mean, this is delicious. I'm trying to think about how to describe this old ale. But yeah, like, and I, I sort of, this is a good example of Malt. making something mm-hmm. and then it didn't turn out how you wanted it. But it's not a dumper. Like you, yeah. you still drink it. You just you might call it something different when you explain it to somebody. Did you say this is malty? That's what I'm yeah. picking up. Yeah, this malty. would be on the malty end. It's a little. You can There's taste very the little hops in the recipe. Um, okay. It's just the, really the only hops in there is the purpose to bitter it to counter that maltiness to balance. So there's no late adaptation hops. I'm not trying to get the f- the smell of the hop in there. I'm not trying to get the really the flavor of the hop. I just want that bitterness yeah. to counteract the malty quality, the sweetness of the beer. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, delicious. They're all very delicious in their own extremely unique way. Um, I feel like it's pretty smooth. What did you think about the old ale? Yeah, well, like what you said. Here, come like talk fizzier. on the mic. Come talk on the mic. Oh, sorry. It's like fizzier. You can <laughs> it's like, fizzier. Yeah. 
Anything and else? The, yeah, the maltiness. I can taste the maltiness. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's delicious. We're figuring out how to do this with four mics and five people. <laughs> okay, I want to try the uh, oatmeal porter now. I think it's the prettiest. You do? Why do you think it's the prettiest? It's just such a great color. Yeah, this one is the Ooh, darker, is darkest color. The garnet. Yeah, this is... Uh, <laughs> is that a stone? It is. It is. It is. It's so funny because, like, we're just doing these interesting pauses. I just wonder what it would be like to be a listener. Well, a lot of times these Drink. porters will have, like, a toastiness, and I think you still get that in the back of your throat with this one, mm -hmm. but the oatmeal really mellows it. Yeah. yeah. And I think it just so is it out. So it, it, you really like that's that. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Really so really, I, I legitimately, when we, when we make this, um, this last time I made it, um, I pulled the... Um, well, I buy off-brand, but the quick oats that I make for my daughter for breakfast, I mm -hmm. weighed out a pound of that and threw it in my recipe. So, I mean, it's just like the rolled oats you buy at the grocery store. They call them quick oats. Yeah. So oh, we have that's some in the fridge. Yeah. And so there's a pound of that that gets added into the end of this recipe. And the end game is the five gallons? Uh, mm -hmm. Well, it's the that's the volume of the liquid at the end. Yeah, at the end. Okay. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That's and technically, um, you've made oatmeal beers in the past to kind of uh, address the gluten-free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that they yeah. were gluten-free, but they're not really gluten-free. Oh. No, there are some, like, what is it, sorghum? You sold me. There was a... <laughs> sorghum has though, doesn't it? I did use, um, I forget what, I used spelt, and I spelt. think maybe yeah. that had something. In it. I can't remember. It's been a while, but I did make a oatmeal beer, and they're actually really good. Yeah. Was it the... Uh, Coit. Uh, coit beer. Coit beers, yeah. Does, any, does anybody have a gluten-free beer? Is that mm -hmm. even possible? They have one yeah. that there's the brand name is called Omission, and they actually subtract the gluten through some sort of process. Right. Jeez. Um, but there are beers that you can get are just naturally gluten-free, but they will not have barley in it um, or of. oats that's going to have uh, grains like sorghum. Mm. Um, I don't know if I've ever tried one. You know, when I made my oat beer, I think I added a little bit mm. of wheat into it to get some head retention and that yeah. might be why it wasn't yeah uh, wheat is not but it was very gluten reduced i think yeah. if you weren't like if you didn't have like a severe it, yeah adverse reaction to gluten it would be a better better alternative we've actually talked about revisiting that because i started with a base and then one year i made it with blueberry mm -hmm. and i was thinking about doing like an apple cinnamon version of it Apple cinnamon? Yeah, with yeah. the oats. I think it'd be really... Wow. Beer for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Okay, so I have... You just said for breakfast, so I have to go... <laughs> I have to go back to something you guys had said. I mean, like, there's so many things in my mind right now. But there was a really good clip that I saw. I'm trying to remember... I, I probably won't be able to remember the name. I got to look this up. There was a, gr a great clip of the Joe Rogan pod podcast that I saw... Um, a while ago, and his guest, I don't, I've never heard of the guest before, but they were talking about this guy that stopped drinking caffeine. Like he took caffeine out of his diet mm -hmm. for three months, <laughs> and then he went back and had a cup of coffee <laughs> after mm -hmm. that three months, and he said that it was like a psychedelic type of experience wow. and then he and then he started talking about the history of coffee and they even brought in like beer what you guys were talking about that like back in the day all these people just drank more beer than water because it was safer to drink the beer yeah. than it was right. the water so like everybody was just walking around with a buzz 
And then he talked about like how people came up with uh, how they came up with the idea of a coffee break, um, and it made people more efficient at work. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking this up right now. And then Coca Cola just <laughs> oh. <laughs> destroyed it. It's a uh, Michael Pollan, P O L L A N. What Michael Pollan learned from quitting caffeine for three months. You can. I mean, he's exclusively on Spotify, so I've been meaning to go back and like listen to the whole episode because I don't know what all they were talking about. But what they talked about in this 14 minute clip on YouTube was quitting caffeine. Um, anyway, yeah, back in the day, apparently people used to drink more beer than water. Yeah, and again, mm-hmm. it comes down to like water quality that was available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you got like that's where sort of like temperance and prohibitions come along, is mm-hmm. because then they sort of figured out, oh, it's the boiling process. And so he started making teas and coffees, which was an alternative to the beer, which was the water safe because it's been boiled. So then you have oh. the, the teetotalers, which mm-hmm. are anti-beer people, and they, they practice temperance. And you're like, well, beer has no place anymore. It's completely – we can just do away with it because now we can drink tea and everything's safe. But then Jeez. we're like, we don't want to stop drinking beer because it's good. Because so. <laughs> it's tasty, So, but we're experiencing right now. It's really funny, like these kinds of little things that you learn about that uh, – are neat little facts that you've never heard before. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to describe this last one, this oatmeal porter. Uh, it, like the other three, it is delicious. Uh, it's very smooth. It, well, some characteristics is what doesn't it have? You've experienced the bitterness at the back end of things. That doesn't have this. No, not right? at all. You're just kind of getting more of that. I don't know what part of the tongue, like... It's not in the back, so there's yeah. no bitterness. That's right. You taste things, yeah, different on, on different, different parts spots. of your tongue. Different yeah. things. Mm-hmm. It tastes to me um, like a good winter beer. Yeah, like it's it feels full, like it, it like a blanket, full, like a blanket. Yeah, mm-hmm. for your mouth. Kim, Kim's over here. It's got good fizz to it. Yes, so I like the yeah, I like the fullness. Not too much. Yeah, he was actually afraid that he didn't get enough on this the other day. We yeah, I actually kind of, yesterday <laughs> I was, I turned up, because I have a, in order to get the beer out of the keg, you have to displace air. So we, and to get the beer fizzy, we add carbon dioxide to it. So we have tanks of CO2. Wait, are you adding it in the Into keg? Into the beer, yeah. The and that's how we get it fizzy. Huh. Um, an alternative, <laughs> if you bottle... Part of the bottling process is adding just a little bit more sugar mm-hmm. right as you're bottling it. And then after you get it all bottled, the the yeast that's still kind of hanging out, you get little, you still have little tiny bits of yeast hanging out in your beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that little bit of yeast will eat that little bit of sugar and carbonate it. And it's bottled so it has nowhere to go. So it infuses into the solution or the beer. Jeez. So that's how you get, it's called bottle conditioning beer. Yeah. Um, actually, Sierra Nevada... Um, they still bottle and can condition everything. It's, it's not force carbed. Um, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is whatever the vessel it's in. They add sugar, or it's called priming sugar, and then package it either in keg, bottle, or can. Mm-hmm. And then it has to sit for at least about a month or so, three weeks. Oh, wow. For that to kind of kick in. And you have to have your math pretty much on. If you add too much sugar, you have a lot of kegs exploding, yeah. a lot of bottle Jeez. shattering. Um, <laughs> Or you're undercarved and it's not as fizzy, and that's the fizziness is part of the experience of beer. That well, now not you know back in the day, but what's really interesting to think about that is that they because of 
the branding of a big beer like that is that you have to have every bottle consistent, super consistent, yeah. super spot Absolutely. on. Yeah. It's kind of fun for you guys. Maybe if it doesn't turn out the exact way that you want it to, because right. then you just discovered something. Have you ever had something not turn out the way that you wanted it to <laughs> and were able to figure out how it happened yeah. so I, that you could replicate it? Well, I, we were talking about the Irish red today and mm-hmm. I was just like, well, I'll just call it an, an English ale because they have fruity flavors in them where an Irish wouldn't. Yeah. So it's just as easy as changing a name. Um, I think we were talking about one. We haven't dumped many beers, but there was one I made one time. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, are they going to talk about this? This was a sour beer, Oof. and I don't. Oh. I still don't know what happened. It, <laughs> it smelled like a sweat sock. Cheese. Oh, it wow. was like cheesy. Like cheesy belly button. Like it was really. <laughs> and I brought it to some friends of mine who worked oh. at a brewery. I'm like, hey, what the heck is wrong with this? Is it just like oxidized or what? And like I, one of my friends that was the brewer at the time, he's tasting. He's like, you know, even though it smells really terrible, it actually tastes really yeah, good. Oh, he just it? kept yeah. drinking it. <laughs> yeah. it's like, it just smelled weird. Yeah, it, it was. It did tasted you try fine. It? Yeah, oh, I'll try all of them. You, you did, try especially it, right? a sour. Those yeah. are my favorite. That was the one beer that I definitely dumped. I did not drink yeah. that one. But well, I was thinking that wasn't the particular one I was thinking about. Was the the Arizona iced tea? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I made what? one. I tried to make a shandy, and I just added. You know, shandy is just juice or tea or whatever. Just added tea to it, and it was just like it called it a shandy. Just never was good. Good yeah. idea. But yeah, we took the beer that we were like, meh. We're like, well, let's make it a shandy because a shandy is you take beer and you either add lemonade or a tea to it. And that's it. what makes it a shandy. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, it's going to be a shandy now, and we <laughs> threw some Arizona iced tea in there and called it a day. Oh, that's but, amazing. But but uh, I remember a brewery after I had let them try that sour beer. They actually had a similar problem, not maybe as bad as smelling as mine, <laughs> but they just added fruit to it and served it. <laughs> so like, just cover it up. Yeah, just yeah, just kind of hide that smell. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> like, all right, it won't make you sick, but the experience is strange. Yeah, <laughs> um, and to kind of continue on this sort of vein of conversation, we you'd asked what IPA stands for. Yes, the India Pale Ale. Yeah, and what it was oh. is it was like. The or the story I've heard mm-hmm. is that Britain was colonizing India at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and they were the soldiers and civilians living there wanted beer, so yep. they would have to ship it, and it's a pretty good boat ride. Yeah, and so they were getting the beer, and it got there, and they're like, "This is terrible." And so they some they kind of knew that hops have preservative qualities, and if nothing else, if you put enough hops in it, it'll cover up the, kind of the skanky taste. And so they started kind of adding a lot more hops to the beer. Yeah. And it would be the India export beer. And then it eventually just keeps getting boiled down to, it was an India pale ale, and then it became an IPA. And then that's sort of the story. I don't know how valid that is, but it's the the, the beer lore that goes with an IPA. Yes. I love beer lore. I'm sorry. Was it spoiling? Yeah, or I, I guess. Or like just I said, you're saying the taste. I think took just a the, hit. the time degrade. Like if you have a pale ale, they tell you to drink it fresh. Drink yeah. it oh, okay. Within a week. And actually, yeah, a pale ale now you want to drink quick. You know, like it's that's when you're going to get all those great flake, fruit flavors. Got and, it. Um, if you let it hang out, the the hops diminishes. Like Paul said, it's yep. sort of the more it sits, the less sort of character that that has. Interesting. I'm tasting something different in the pale ale now. Yeah, yeah. Than, kinda... than what I did 
And it's fun when, like, when you drink beer, it really, like, what you pair it with if you're eating. Mm. Um, there was a uh, pizza place that used to exist in Columbus. It's not there anymore. And they served, like, Columbus or Chicago-style deep dish. Mm-hmm. And we'd get their, one of their pizzas there, breadsticks or something. And we realized if we ordered a Budweiser, when you drink it, you get this crazy banana after flavor. Weird. And my wife noticed it right off the bat, and she was like, does this taste like a banana to you? <laughs> and we were eating the same thing, and I took a drink. I was like, yeah, it's crazy. And I was like, it's, it's probably because what we're eating is influencing, like, it's sort of... The whole The, the flavor. flavors are mixing yeah. together. And, uh, but yeah, she calls them, I think we... I forget what she called it, like banana light or something like that. She's like, let's go get a pizza and some banana lights. But I love that. Okay, so we are getting late in time. So I wanted to, the last thing I want to talk about is the the idea that you guys might create or like do something. If you guys want to talk about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I went back to school for business not that long ago. Seems like forever. It's only been. Right. 2014 was that like eight years yeah yeah so i finished and i i went to business school with the idea of opening a business not knowing what it would be mm-hmm. uh just i didn't i always wanted to own my, my dad owned his own business it's oh, just that's cool. a, it's a lifestyle it's yes. a lot of work but i you know i always liked it and it at first i thought maybe it would just be like taxes doing people's taxes or something but as I kept uh, doing the beer, I was like, you know, this is actually doable. I mean, we know how to brew beer. It's not, like, crazy hard to do. And, you know, a business scale, you know, there is a lot of profit in it, so maybe we should check into, like, doing this. So when he started brewing with me, well, when I finally got him to start brewing with me, I was like, gave him this idea, and we just have been running with it uh, in our heads for a while. We've mm-hmm. invested some money into it and kind of brought Kim along to – uh, help us understand marketing because neither one of us are marketing. We can make beer, but we're not. You know, how do yeah, we market? Right. So, Important. yeah. So <laughs> that's where we're at. I mean, we're still in the beginning stages of it, but uh, we'd like to see. I think we could do something with it for yeah. sure. I think initially, we when we kind of kicked around the idea, <laughs> and it was, I think like with, with most ideas, you want to do it well, but you want to do it quick. Yeah, And so like, well, let's open this brewery and we can do it this way. And then we realized that some of the ideas we had to save money wasn't really a good idea in the long run. Mm-hmm. So the, the time is kind of spread out, but from when we initially started to now. Um, but I think we sort of, and then COVID hit, of course. Yep. It's like, mm-hmm. we're not over number right now. Yeah, But there's been a handful in Columbus that have. and they That opened yeah. up? Yeah. Really, and they Recently. they relied on the home delivery yeah. and um, they, sure. they really worked and hustled, I'm sure. To, to, to make it move along. Yeah. And, um, and I'm sure they're getting the payback now of yeah. all that work. Now that yeah. people can actually go to their tap room and try their beer right there in person. But I think we realized, I think initially it was just, we're going to be a microbrewery. And I think at the time we started talking about it, there was only about 20 in Columbus. Yeah. Really? To, that's it. We're up to like 40 now. Yeah, and it's, yeah. this is that over the course sense. of like five years. Yeah. 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 And yeah, well. so it's just like, but now we realize well, that's not going to be enough. We need to stand out a little bit. Yeah. So we're the the kind of the new approach to this business plan that we're kind of heading the direction we're heading is adding more of our personal personalities and our backgrounds into it. Yeah. And we don't really want to like let the cat out of the bag. Yep. Um, but we'll so we'll leave it at that. But we want to be a little bit more than just a microbrewery. But we want to be more of an experience when you go mm. to the brewery. So 
we'll leave it there. Yeah, I, I love that. Anything yeah. to add, Kim? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so before, I mean, like the brewers, they're going to think about the product most of the time. Yeah. That's what they have their hands on. That's what they're passionate about. It's their art. Yeah. It's their craft. So when it comes, but what we started to realize with some of the travels that I kind of pre-mentioned, oh, this is a heavy metal bar. Oh, this is Grandma's House? That was a really cool yeah, one. Yeah, that was a good one. I love that one. That's the name of a micro brewery? Yeah, yeah. Grandma's yeah, House. Like, and you felt like you were going into Grandma's House. You saw all the old, like, vintage yeah. cups with the cool little characters on it, like an E.T. game, and you're like, this is They're like the jelly jars. It was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So they all had these, like, characteristics that was like meeting a person. That's yeah. what a business should have. Yes, have a good product, but you also should kind of get an idea of who made this thing. Yeah. It's not all product, even though that is what's going to keep people there and make them enjoy right. it. There's a lot more to keep the doors open. a brewery than just what you're selling. It does. I mean, that's what you're selling, but there's yeah. more to it. Yeah. Um, so the more that they kept talking about it and then I'd butt in, right? Um, their backgrounds are really cool. Like you yeah. find masters of fine art. Yeah. He was in a band. He knows yeah. how to, you know, I, I, I'm a fine artist, you know, I'm a graphic artist. So yep. we, there's a lot of art and craft to this yeah that how do you and then you want to be a part of community yep so which community is that oh the ones we're already a part of arts and crafts you know like yeah so maybe i'm letting out a little bit but this is our background of just the creative the creativity i mean that's that's not letting out too much i don't think this is creative yeah 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 i i love i love that by the way what did you play in the band i played bass you were a bass player that's cool what type of music um, I'd say like new wave progressive rock. rock, yeah, okay, but not rush, yeah, but not rush killers before killers. I, I don't know how <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were, they were onto something that's awesome. Okay, well, you guys, I could probably talk to you for the rest of the afternoon. We're getting close to two hours here. <laughs> I don't, I didn't see anything I would particularly want to cut out, but I can't thank you enough. This was one of the most fun pod- podcasts we've done. The beer is delicious. Thank you. Cool. I really hope that you guys get to do what you're aiming to do, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what comes of it. So thanks so much for coming on. I hope you guys come back at some point, and we can do this yeah. again. Cool. Thanks Love to. Yes, thanks. Cool.